Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. What a great moment Easter is with our families and then a chance to come together and celebrate and worship together and to contemplate some very important things together as we join here. I tell you, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I love everything about Easter. One of the things I love the most though, if I can say to all of you that I'm your pastor, it's an honor, it's a privilege to celebrate these moments, to be with you. I was inviting a lady, she said they were moving up this direction and I said to her, she said, I'm thinking about trying out that Milestone Church. And she said, you know anything about it? I said, well, Preacher's powerful, I know that. No, I'm just kidding, I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, but I told her, I said in all sincerity, some of the most authentic, real, genuine, loving people you've ever met go to church there. And so I'm so honored to worship with you and to be here with you and to celebrate these moments together. In fact, for those of you that are new, we named our church Milestone Church because years ago, 15 years ago in a cafetorium in South Keller, we dreamed about moments like this. Not just the gathering of people, but the chance that we could have together to celebrate something significant. And we celebrate so many moments throughout the year together, and this is one of them, and so I'm honored to celebrate it with you. And uh, I love Easter. I love a lot of things about Easter. I love our moment together, but I also love later on Easter day, we're gonna cook that Easter ham. Y'all know what I'm saying? My mother-in-law's bringing some sides, the other part, family, everybody's coordinating. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna eat that Easter cake. You say, what is the Easter cake? Well, it has fake grass on it. It has jelly beans. Come on now, we gotta get that sugar high. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Let's get in the spirit a little bit here, folks. But I, I tell you, I love the Easter candy. But candy's not all the same. I, I like the Easter chocolate bunny. I like to bite the ears off the chocolate bunny, come on. I like the Cadbury egg, you can only handle one. And I like those little Reese's peanut butter cup ones, you know, the chocolate ones. Somebody brought some to our office this week. They brought white chocolate. That's a sin against humanity. White chocolate, what? We're not after that, brother. We're after the real chocolate, you know? But I've been warning people for the last few years, okay? I've been warning people, and so pastorally, that's part of my job. I've been warning people, and I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. I feel as if no one is listening to me. I'm like the person at the head of the airplane with the belt buckles and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the seat belt thing. They're the most ignored person on the planet. And, and I'm being ignored, and I think as I am presenting this warning, the other side is coming stronger. And it's in the area of peeps. You guys need to stay away from these things. They, they do not eliminate from your body, okay? They bond to your organs. And so I'm hearing peeps are coming stronger. It's like there's 60 flavors now. There's billions of peeps. They're coming against me with all force. We got like caffeine free, we got sugar free, we got gluten free. We need peep free, that's what we need. We need peep free peeps. And this year, I'm telling you, I'm warning stronger than ever, I found this, there's, there's peep-she. There's now sushi peeps. 
And, and this is a problem, okay? This is just your, this is, this is for free, okay? This is your Easter pastoral warning, stay away from the peeps, all right? Well, again, it's gonna be a great time together. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, first of the New Testament. We're gonna look at two verses. It's gonna take me a little bit to get there. Matthew 12, verse 40 and 41. If you don't have a Bible, I'm gonna put it on the screen, and we're gonna get to it in just a moment together. I wanna welcome those watching online. I wanna welcome our McKinney campus that's joining in, live streaming the service with us. I hear some of you are in the commons, and so all of us together, worshiping together here in this moment. I'm gonna ask you, all of us, everywhere, I'm gonna ask you to take this little card out for me while you're finding your passage. Just take this out, wave it at me if you got this. Look, I'm gonna ask you to do me a personal favor with this card. I'm gonna ask all of us to turn it in and we're gonna protect your information. We're not putting you on an email list. You're not gonna start getting all kinds of stuff from us. But we, we just thought this year in a desire to better serve people. Another thing, if you're wondering about Milestone, we, we, we are a group of people taking steps together. So we as a team are always praying about not just how we can gather people, but how we can help people take spiritual steps and how we can serve you better. Our volunteers, our staff team, they wanna serve you. And this is just a little tool this year that can help us. You're like, why are we doing it on Easter? Because we're all here, you know what I'm saying? All right, it's a little more effective, all right? And so I'm gonna ask you on the front side there, there's some information. By the way, if you're part of the Milestone family, to help us update your information if something has changed. And then on the back side as well, there's a place there, by the way, you can check if you're a regular attender or you're a guest. And so we've got ways to serve all of you. But then on the back side, I have a little survey. You can help me. This is something maybe you'd like to hear a message about. All right, we're, we're always praying about how to better uh, equip you and teach you. So this is a place there, a message I'd like to hear. And then what brought you to Milestone Church? We never wanted to be a church just for insiders, just for people that know the message. So we wanna be good stewards of your resources that you give, so we're constantly looking at ways, how do we get the message out? And you can really help us. This will give us some better information. So thank you for doing this for me. It's just a tool to help us serve you better. Then you see down at the bottom, A, B, C, D, you see some letters. And I'm gonna ask you if you would just to take that card and we're gonna talk about those letters at the end of my message. So just tuck that card there away and we're going to come back to it. Now before we go to the book of Matthew, I want to share with you something that leads us to that. I wanna share with you a story. And I know we all love a good story, and I have been so anxious and excited to ask this question. How many of you, even if you're not religious or spiritual at some level, how many of you know that there's a place in the scriptures where there was a guy who was swallowed by a large fish? How many of y'all know that? Raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. I'm on good ground here, all right? I thought most of us had probably heard about that. No matter where we come from, we've heard about it. Now, I know what some of you are asking. You're like, wait a minute. It's like Easter, you know, Easter bunny, Easter egg, Jesus, tomb. What does the dude getting swallowed by a fish have to do with Easter? Well, if you give me a minute, I'll, I'll show you. But we first need to talk about the guy who was swallowed by a fish. Because I think we can relate to him. His name is Jonah. And he's an interesting character, but I think we have some similarities to this guy 
Because God comes to him and says, here, I, I want you to do this for me. I want you to, to go to this group of people that are very far from me. They're very on the outside. And by the way, that's a theme with God. God always can go to the one that's the farthest away. So there's this place called Nineveh, and God asked him to go and share my love with these far and distant people that are on the outside, and he takes off running. He actually runs away from what God is asking of him. He runs away from God himself. In fact, I wanna show you a couple of scriptures here right in the very first of the story in the book of Jonah. Here's what it says. It says, but Jonah ran away. He ran away from the Lord, not just the purpose that the Lord had for him. He actually runs from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship that was bound for a port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Notice twice right there, in the beginning of this guy's story, Jonah, it says he ran. So let me give you the big landscape of this. In fact, a big theme of Jonah's story is he was a runner. He was one who was running away from God. We may be more like him than we think. You may be like him today, he's running. You say, okay, how much is he running and what does this look like? Well, I wanna give you the landscape of the story real quick. Here's the landscape of this story of this guy, Jonah. God tells him to go to Nineveh. He goes to Joppa, he gets on a boat. And he's not just kind of running, he's going to the farthest point. He gone. <laughs> he's running to the farthest point he can possibly go. In Tarshish, if you look at it, Look, you need to get the picture here. That's like the end of the earth. That's like running, I, and I gotta love, I, I love the guy because if you're gonna run, you know what, just do it all the way. He's going to the farthest point. In fact, at that time, they thought that's the end of the earth. Everything falls off, ah, 2,600 miles. And in their little snapshot in time of what they thought the world was like, literally, it's like being in New York, and it's like, I want you to reach New York, and you end up in San Francisco. 2,600 miles, he's running. Along the way, after he gets on the boat though, there's a storm. <clears throat> storm comes up, he ends up down in the bottom of this ship, and these guys that are on the ship come to him and say, look, this God that you worship, this creator God that you worship, you better start talking to him because we're all gonna die on this boat. How many of you know, even people that aren't into God, you get a big enough storm, you'll start going, hey, you know the phone number to that guy up there? And so they start talking to him about his God, and so they actually realize he's the problem. They throw him overboard. They throw him overboard, he gets swallowed by a big fish, and here's the principle of the story. The story is he's a runner, but God uses something so crazy, so out of the box, to grab him by a fish and turn him back around toward what he had called him to. Turn him back around to the Lord himself. Turn him back around to his purpose. And he goes back to this place and there's this major, major, amazing thing that happens where this whole city starts to connect and love this God that he was talking to them about. You know, when you look at it, you think about running. I myself am not a natural runner. I was born in Northeast Texas and I played athletics, but running I was not so good at. I, I was kind of the big kid. I was much better at eating, y'all know, I'm just saying. I, I like those little compartmentalized trays in the lunchroom, y'all remember those? I was the guy that pulled that up next to yours frequently and said, you gonna eat that, praise God, I mean, 
Yeah. Much better at eating than I was running. I was a little heavier kid, kind of disproportionate, had a big head, kind of jack-in-the-box style, kind of, that's my boy, you know. Not so much of a runner. In fact, later, though, in my life, as I got into my 30s, I just began, I, I began to like it. I even like it today. I, I, I started, started running. It's kind of therapeutic for me. So you may see me around Keller on the side of the road somewhere running along the way, you know, and my, my kids say I have a bad outfit. They say it's inappropriate. I have the shorty shorts, so, you know, look at your own risk, you know what I'm saying? But, and my friends say that I don't run, I shuffle. but I'm moving <laughs> and I'm out there. I mean, come on now. So I'm not a natural runner, but I became a little bit of a runner later in life. But I do wanna tell you this, I relate to Jonah. Cause spiritually, I'm a runner. Spiritually, I'm a runner. Every time as God wants to do something big in my life, my first reaction is to run. I remember how when the first time I heard the message of Jesus, I just thought, man, is this real? I'm afraid, what are people gonna say? Can I live up to it? I remember distinctly the feelings that I had to run away. I remember when God called me to my purpose. He called me into what I'm doing right now, this weekend, I remember when he spoke that to me. And you may say, well, look, that's not what God has for me. You know, I'm not called to do what you do, Pastor Jeff, but I will tell you this, you have a purpose. And God will come into your world just like he did Jonah and say, hey, here's what I have for you. And there'll be these feelings just like I had. I can't do that. I don't know if I even relate to that. And so I started running immediately. I went to college to study for what I'm doing here right now to Baylor University where God's presence dwells in tangible form. Hallelujah, Jerusalem on the Brazos. I came home. We have a limited amount of Aggies in our church. So if you're an Aggie, you know, don't even fill out the card. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I came home from Baylor University and I told my mom, my mom's a real spiritual woman, I told her, I said, you know what, I'm not gonna be a pastor, I think I'll be a counselor. She said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. How many of y'all are thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed for us? You know what I'm saying? You can't outrun a praying grandma. But I wanted to run. I think about intense moments in my life. We lost a baby late term several years ago. I, I wasn't really equipped to help my wife with her grief because I wanted to run from the pain. And I was just like, can we get past this? And I, and I, and I learned something transparently though, I wanted to run, run from the pain because I didn't know really what to do. And even to this day, sometimes when there's intense relational things, when there's things that God wants to do, I wanna run away from it. I know by my very core nature outside of God, I'm a runner. Maybe you are too. And you say, what is, what, what is that? Let's, let's just unpack it a little bit more. What's going on in us? Why do we do this? I think there's a few reasons if we could unpack it together. First of all, as I said, when we're in pain, we're not sure he cares. When you have painful circumstances, and I find that by nature, the first human beings they broke fellowship with the God who created them and the Bible says they ran and they hid. So our basic wiring is God comes to us and says, I love you, I wanna do something, we run. Now what happens in life is pain comes along. 
You have a problem with a kid. You have a thing that you're grieving over. You have a challenge in your marriage. And here's what happens if we don't know who God is, if we don't know that there's hope there, if we don't know that he's for us, if we don't know how to go to him and we don't really even know what he's all about and we've been painted a picture that he's aloof and distant and maybe even he's causing it, we run. We run away. Here's a second reason why I think we run is we're not sure we can actually live up to whatever it is he's asking of us. And I know that. I know that's how you feel a lot of times. Even when you come into our church, you're like, man, these must be a bunch of spiritual people. The church I grew up in, you didn't raise your hand unless you had a question. People in here, I praise the name of the... Some of you are like, do, do I have to do that? What, what is that? My wife brought me to a church for the first time where there was people like our church. They're just, you know, they're just excited. They love God. You don't know where they've been. You know, you don't know. They're, they're just loving Jesus. And so I came to a church like ours, and I, she's, we left, and she said, Jeff, what would you think? I said, those people need psychiatric help. <laughs> so we project to where i got to be that. i got to do this. We know you feel that way, and that's why we try to, to be warm and inviting and set you at ease a little bit. It's like coming to a gym for the first time, you know, and you'd never worked out before. There's a guy over in the corner there, you know, he's all in his biceps. He ate two chickens for breakfast. Like, ah. You're like, uh, uh, can I get the Barbie dumbbells? Do y'all have those, you know? So you come into a setting and you're like, wait a minute, I don't know if I can even live up to what he's asking of me. So what do we do? We, we run. We have intellectual barriers. I have a guy I've been talking to for the last few years, he has intellectual barriers. So we've been talking about how God is really wise and God is intelligent and how it's not crazy, you don't have to get a lobotomy to believe that God is who he says he is and we've been working through the intelligent design of God and the human body, all these different questions and what about the dinosaurs and so we've been talking, we have this conversation over and over and he has some intellectual barriers and it's okay to have intellectual barriers. Can I tell you what I've discovered in working with people with intellectual barriers? Usually there's some deeper emotional barriers that produce the presuppositions of belief. But maybe we have intellectual barriers which makes us run. Here's another one, we think we can get away. We actually think we can get away from God. I don't know if you've ever had this happen with your kids, but I remember specifically when one of mine packed up their stuff and said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and we stood on the front porch as they came, I'm leaving, I'm gone. And you're just wondering, how far can they get? You know God has to think that about us sometimes. You think you could actually run away from me it's like, hide from me, I created you. And God doesn't play fair. It's like everywhere you turn, there's God. And there's another person, and then you turn on the television, and there's God. And then you try to switch companies, and you move to another side of the earth, and God sends you to Texas, and you're in a cubicle beside somebody, and it's like, there's another one of them. There they are again. How does it happen? He's everywhere, he's everywhere. Because you can't outrun him. We think we can get away. Here's another one, we think we're, we're afraid that God's gonna give us less. That's really what we believe. We think he's gonna give us less. Here's why we run. Because, and this is why Jonah ran. He thought he could get away, but he thought what God was asking of him was bad, so he thought, I'm running from the bad and I'm running to the good. It's amazing how the enemy deceives us to say that all of this is bad, over there is something good, and so we run toward what we think is good. You're like, Jeff, Jonah, this big fish, Easter, 
Jesus, how does all of that come together? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I wanted you to look here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, in the red letters, in Jesus' words. Right here it says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And it says here, so, so that's, that's the message of Easter, by the way. Everything about the songs that we've sung, everything about what images you see, what is it? It's, it's about a cross that makes the payment. You'll never make the payment. You'll never do enough religious duties. Some of you even come from some backgrounds where it's like you've been taught, if I'll do enough of these right things, then I can stay in right standing with God. And it's like you have to stay in good standing with the protocol of the religiousness. And you're a little afraid to go, man, I don't know if I leave that behind, then like what would that mean? Jesus is saying here, look, let me simplify it for you. Yes, there's a cross where there's a payment, but there's a tomb. We celebrate on Resurrection Sunday that there's a tomb that's empty. And that's where the power, the cross is the payment, but the tomb is where the power comes from to live what he's called you to live. And so that's the story he gives. He says, then the men of Nineveh, again, let's not get caught up in the place or even the name. It's just a group of people that God loves. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented. Everybody say repented. Repented. They repented at the preaching of Jonah they repented, we're gonna unpack that because that's the answer to running. But I do love this little phrase at the end of it that's so powerful to me. And now something greater than Jonah is here. What a mind-blowing story that God would turn a guy around that was running that far. But Jesus here goes, I'm something greater than that. I'm something greater than that. The story of Jonah is a story that we all relate to, we run. We run from God, we run in our pain, we run in our success, we run from God, but the story of Jonah is, and the story and the message of Jesus is, and the message of Easter is, that though we run, God runs to us. God runs to us while we're running, he runs to us. You say, okay, what is Jesus trying to say here? Jesus is saying, I wanna turn you around. I wanna turn you around because there's nothing good that way. I wanna turn your story around. I wanna turn your life around. And you say, you told us to say that word repent. You know why I, call, I wanna hone in on that? Because Jesus, that's what he's saying. They repented, you should do as they did. Because the word repentance, though you may have heard it, repent. You're like, that's what you expect when you come to church, repent. Some well-intended people, maybe with bad strategy on the side of the road, repent, you'll go to hell. <laughs> I'm sure they have a good heart, bad strategy. But repentance just means that you are going the wrong way. You're running from everything good. And he wants to turn you around back to who he's called you to be and who he's created you to be. That's what the word repentance means. You may have heard it and you think, man, that's a biblical term, but I don't even really know how to unpack that. Well, I wanna lean on a verse real quick to help me. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. When you have Jesus turn you around, you don't regret it. I say this all the time. If you ever give fully your life to Jesus, you'll never trade him back in. You'll never say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. It leaves no regret because it saves you from yourself. It saves you from what's headed down that road if you keep running. 
but it says it comes from godly sorrow. It leaves no regret, but there's a worldly sorrow which is a religious guilt, which is I'm, many times I'm sorry I got caught, I mean, I don't know, I need to do this, maybe, and, and it says that that will actually bring death. Let me show you a couple of images, I'm a visual person, let me show you a couple of images and then I'm gonna pray for you. The first one, it's, it's compare and contrast, that's what the Bible uses a lot and I learn well that way, maybe you do. But it says that there's this worldly sorrow. It's like, get me out of this fix. It's like, you know what, I've, I, I, it's kind of like a kid that you're talking, you know, you're trying to discipline. It's like, okay, they're, they're, they're standing up on the outside, but they're sitting down on the inside. Their heart hasn't really been turned the right way. And so worldly sorrow is you keep carrying your guilt, but you try to do right stuff. You, you try to live up to the expectations of the church. You, you, you think, man, I come on Easter, this, this bald guy, he's trying to convert me. He's trying to convert me to a religious system. No, 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 that's worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is that you keep moving, and what happens is if you do that, I've gotta, I hear people tell me this all the time, pastor, where I'm at in my life, I've gotta turn it around. I've gotta turn it around, because here's what I find. Some point in your life, you will meet a moment where you go, I've gotta have a turnaround in my story. You start with maybe I should change, you know what, it'd be good if I change. And here's what I find a lot of times, if you keep running from God, the people around you say, you better change. And you go, how do I do it? A lot of people go, well, I, I've gotta turn it around. I, I've gotta turn it around. I've, I've, gotta, I've gotta do some more spiritual stuff. And here's what happens when you try to turn it around. You just kinda go in a circle for a little while because there's no real power to do it. And then you run back down the road harder than you did before. You end up back doing whatever it was. That's not the goal. As I prayed for you this Easter, my prayer was, Lord, help them, because they're running. And I, without you, would run too. We need greater help. And that's the message of Jesus on Easter, because he's alive. The gift of the turnaround. That's what repentance means. The gift of repentance is, you're going this way, and you know all you have to do? Stop running. Just stop running. Say, God, I'm not running from you anymore. Here I am. I stop running. And then notice what I put in that diagram. God, God does the turnaround. God does the turning. You can't turn it around, but he can transform you into a new person. The day will be brighter. The world will look different. You'll respond different. You'll have less affection for things that you used to be passionately into. And he'll start changing you if you'll stop running, if you'll stop running, he'll do the turnaround and he'll put you on the course and plan that he has for your life. You say, what's the motivator to do that? Well, I believe heaven's a real place, hell's a real place, eternity's a long time. This is serious, serious business. I, I, I mean, the motivator is that God created us and he loves us, but I, there's a lot of things that could be temporary motivation, but I believe the highest motivator we do what we wanna do. And the highest motivator is the love of God. When you see how much he loves you and wants to change your story, when you see, as the Bible says, you say, what really motivates someone that is moving this way and running away from God to turn? The Bible says it's when you see his goodness. When you see the love that he has for you. When you see the passionate desire he has for a relationship with you, that motivation will cause you to stop 
running, when you see him there saying, come on home, come back to me, I love you. You know, this diagram, I didn't just design it for my Easter message. I've been going over it for a year with my seven-year-old, my youngest, Lainey Kate. Had a real powerful moment a few weeks ago and had an opportunity to baptize her. We went over what I'm preaching to you for about a year. We walked through it. She, got, she prayed in, in VBS. And she and I would get in my reading chair and we'd talk about repentance. You know why? I didn't want her to make a decision because her dad's a pastor. I didn't want her to make a decision just because that's the right thing to do or because her friends did it. We kept talking about the power of the gift of repentance more than worldly sorrow or religious activity. So we would spend time talking about it for a year and then in a few weeks ago, I, I got a chance to baptize her and I knew it would be emotional. I waited for her at the end, you know, cause I was real emotional and she was just right there, I was holding her up, she's looking at me, she's like, you need to get it together, bud, you're in trouble here. She, she told me later, she goes, Dad, if you would have crept crying, I mean, I don't know what would have happened, you know? She's like, you were a mess. I'm like, yeah, I was a mess. It's a powerful moment. But earlier in the baptism, I had another moment even before I got to Lanny Kate. Some of y'all may have been in the service, and there was a teenage girl, and I put my hand on her back, got ready to baptize her, and I felt the compassion of God for her. And I began to cry. I began to just, I started crying. I, I began to feel something for her and later that day after 101, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Jeff, thank you for celebrating my day. I didn't have anybody here to celebrate my day, but I have real faith in Jesus. He's changed my life, so thank you for celebrating with me and, and, and I didn't even know. And you're, and you're like, well, well, I wish I could be baptized by you or I wish I could be your daughter. Look, look there's something greater than Jonah. There's something greater than me. The resurrection is not an event, it's a person. And if you'll just stop running, he'll, he just used me, an ordinary person, just to convey his love, and that's a small taste of the experience of his love. A small taste. He'll show you his love if you'll just stop running and say, okay God, because love is the highest motivator. It's the highest motivator. I'm gonna ask if you would to take that card back out for me. And I'd like us just to walk through it together because I think we're all at different places in the journey and I'd like everybody to fill it out. I'd like all of you to help me with it. But that card can help us do a little assessment on where we are in our story and how we're doing with this running issue. A is, I have a real relationship with Jesus. And you're like, I have that relationship, Pastor Jeff. I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. What does that mean? Something's changed in you. You didn't just pray a prayer. You didn't join the church. You, you have a real rela relationship with Jesus. B is, I'd like to consider it a bit more first. And I wanna tell you, I hope there's a lot of Bs this weekend who are here, because we, again, we never wanted to be a church just for people that have it all figured out. It's a safe place for you to ask questions, to grow, to learn, and ask questions of who Jesus is. I'd like to consider it a bit more first. C is, I don't ever intend on making that decision. Did you know for years we've had people who say, I'm an atheist, they've come up to me after classes are small and say, I'm an atheist, I don't know if I believe anything you preach, pastor. And you know what, it's a safe place for you too. You may not want me to, but I'm gonna pray for you. God, God moves in miraculous ways, you know, no telling what he could do. He may swallow you with a fish, I don't know. But you know what, I'm gonna pray for you and you know what? It's a safe place 
for you to even be in that place. But here's the final one. There's some of you here who say, you know what? I've been running. I've been running away, but I see God intersecting my life. I've been running, but I want God to turn my story around. You may have even tried before to do the turnaround yourself, and you're like, that's not working very well. I want God to turn it around. I'm gonna ask all of us to bow their heads right now, every single person, even watching online or watching there in McKinney. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you say, Jeff, I'm in D, I need that turnaround. I'm gonna ask if it's not an emergency for no one to move right now. This is a very holy moment, a very important moment, and there are people here right now making an important decision, so everybody just hang tight for a second. You say, Jeff, I don't really know what to do. Well, I'm gonna lead you through some words, but really it's about your heart. It's about your heart. It's about you saying, just, just you say it to God. You say it, say, Jesus, Jesus, I, I wanna stop running. I, I do stop running. I know you love me. I know you died for me. You rose from the dead. You're alive today, Jesus. I wanna have a relationship with you. Jesus, I want you to become my Jesus, a personal Jesus, not just a theory or a concept, but my Jesus, come into my life right now. Turn my story around right now in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask you to check D and put that in, but I'm gonna ask everybody with their heads bowed, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna make you come forward, but you say, Pastor, I just want you to know I prayed that with you, maybe right there online. How many of you would say, right here in this room, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see your hand? Thank you, anyone else? Just hold it up high so I can see it. Thank you, sir, right there. Anyone else? I celebrate with you. I see you there in the, in the, in the top there, in the, in the risers. Anyone else? Father, I pray for those right now that have made this decision. I pray it wouldn't just be an emotional decision, but you would now lead them to take steps with you and they would begin to grow in that relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 